with me very impromptu, but because it's Victory Monday, boys and girls. It's Victory <laughs> Monday here. Oh, it feels weird to say, but it's just like, because that's why yesterday, like, it was like such an emotional all time high roller coaster. So yeah. I feel like instead of just before we go into it, I feel like I want to watch it one more time. I got it queued up if you want. Yeah, sure. All right. Simple to try and tie it at 13. Second and goal. Ooh. Jones swings it. Touchdown. <laughs> Gosicki. <laughs> and I can literally end it on um, just Sean McDermott's face of like, ugh. Just like, disgust, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because... that, was, that was awesome. I know last time you were on, it was you, Pat, and I, and we always talked about like the complete game. Like yesterday may have been, I think, the team's best game since I I want to say Cleveland from last year, but I don't because I know obviously that was Bailey. I think since that because that, that reminded me a lot of the Charger game from Halloween two years ago. You know, oh the just, was that the um when Phillips they pick six. <laughs> okay. The one where Mac hit that really nice overthrow to uh Nelson Aguilar. That's the one. That was a good game. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It, it did feel like a complete game. It was one of those um the game ended and it was just weird because it didn't feel fluky. It didn't, there was nothing weird went on. It didn't feel like, oh, the Patriots got lucky to get out of there, you know, get out of there with a W. It felt like a, you know, they went out there and just won a football game. And it's like, wow. That, that's it. That, I don't know if it's just you put Scar in the building for the rest of time and at the top of the lighthouse, but it was a mix of, look, Mac played a flawless game yesterday after three, let's just be honest, really bad games. The defense balled yesterday. I think we're yeah. I think we're starting to see too, and we'll get into this, someone who can really take the Patriot moniker to the next level, like whatever it is down the road. And then special teams as a whole to get the Tyler Bass. Because like I think Tyler Bass just like I don't know what happened there with his missed kick. And on top of winning this, it's just look, Buffalo fans are in shambles right now. So I don't know what feels better, <laughs> the win or the fact that because I, I said this last week with Buffalo. I said one of two things was going to happen. New England either finds a way and just plays a flawless game and wins, or Buffalo was going to walk us just because, you know, Buff- yeah. the last couple of weeks, poor game against Jacksonville, whatever happened against the Giants. But then I don't know if there's more there, but I want to focus on the New England aspect more because I feel like everyone's more focusing on the national media. Oh, because Buffalo didn't do this, and oh, they're mm-hmm. hurt, and mm-hmm. oh, Josh Allen yeah. this, and Josh Allen that. Where with New England, I'm not ready to say like the whole, oh, we're back, we're going to run the table, we're going to do this. But for now, this feels like if a very big confidence booster heading into a game next week, to be honest with you, I don't know if it's winnable, but it's just, the it doesn't feel like what the last few weeks have felt like where I was going under the moniker of expect to lose, but hope to win. Yeah. Yeah, I um going into next week. I mean, you obviously we'll, we'll touch on this game in a, in a second, but um just to your point, going into next week, I feel like that is definitely a winnable game. I thought it was winnable in in week two when they played um when they played that Sunday night game, and I think it's going to be winnable this time. I I just I that was that was one of those games that I feel like we as Patriots fans absolutely needed. Um, I know that you know. People want to tank. They want, you know, Drake May, Caleb Williams, or whoever, you know, lose out, you know, get your draft picks or whatever. But um, losing sucks, right? Like, losing just sucks. Mm-hmm. Even even people who are, like, pro-tanking 
aren't into losing, right? Like the people, you know, people on the timeline who are like, yeah, you know, tank for May, tank for May, you know, last week were absolutely incensed that the Patriots lost to the Raiders. And I'm like, well, doesn't this fit your agenda? And the next mm-hmm. one, you know, I tweeted it out after the um after the Dallas loss that I thought, you know, the biggest cope in sports is tanking. People yeah. were like, oh, I'm pro tanking. And I'm like, you're not. You only say that because your team is bad. Like you're just trying to cope and make yourself feel better about the fact that your team is terrible. That we all do it. Everyone does it to one extent or another. But that was no, that was one of those games where it was just like cool as a just a fan of football and as a fan of the Patriots that was that was cool to see like they go out there and they win and it kind of reminds everyone that you know the games aren't played on paper right because if the games were played on paper you know the Patriots would have lost this one 45 to 12 you know some some hideous score like that but yeah. this is why they play the games right like all off season, you know bills are you know bills are going to be the AFC favorites oh they're going to go to the championship they're going to just waltz on in and it's just like that's just not how it works right like you got to go out there and actually like do it and to this point, Buffalo hasn't, and the Patriots haven't either. But when you when you go out and you get a nice victory like that, and it looks like it did, you know, you start to feel a little good. Even if you know, I still don't think this is going to amount to to very much in a grand scheme of things. Like I said, I'm not expecting you know ten wins and a and a playoff berth or anything like that. But I just want competitive games, right? If if this is going to be it for Mac and and you know the current you know phase of the Patriots rebuild, then at least make it fun along the way. Do you remember the Jets game in 2020, Week 17? I do. That was one of my favorite games of all time. Devin Asiasi touchdown. Asiasi had the touchdown. Um, Cam Newton had the receiving touchdown. That was that game owned. So, but that game I had such a love hate relationship with because I'm like, where the hell has this been all year? But at the same time, too, it kind of left Patriot fans with like a sense of, hey, this team can maybe be something in 2021. That's my hope for the rest of this season. That hey, for 2024, like give us good competitive football now because. Even what, regardless of what happens Sunday, I feel like the next three games are games that they should either, or actually not three, the next five after that, which is Commanders, Colts in Germany, Giants, Chargers, and Steelers. Those are five. I'm not going to call them winnable, but those are games that you should be very competitive I in. I think you can win them. I don't know if this team will win. I don't think they will win them. I think they can win them. If they can go three and two or four and one in that stretch, I feel like I feel confident in them because then obviously to finish, you play. Kansas City, there's Denver, which, for the love of God, if you lose that game on Christmas Eve, yeah, that's not a good look. And then Buffalo on New Year's Eve, which, that who knows what that game's going to be. And then yeah. Week 18 against the Jets, which, I don't think the Jets, I think the Jets are who they people were saying that were all offseason. They're, uh, they're looking pretty impressive, so who knows how the last few weeks will be, but... I got to I got to see a little more um, from yeah. the Jets offensively. Right now, it's just the Brees Hall show, and he's kind of making it happen. And Zach Wilson is not making any errors, so I'll give them that. I think their defense is absolutely legit. I think they will mm-hmm. win um, eight nine games, and they'll be just fine. Um, but I don't know if you know because people were saying Super Bowl. Uh, I don't think I don't think so. Not with the current roster, but I think they will be more competitive than um, people give them credit for because that defense is very good. Yeah, like you're seeing the same thing with Cleveland too. Like Cleveland's offense, hey, it may not be the best, but like their defense is amazing. Is yeah, Miles Garrett, deep boy. A, yeah, Schwartz. Um, Schwartz in that that wide nine scheme that he uh, that he he ran over in Philly, ran it a bit in Detroit as well. Um, it just it works when you just have pure rushers, and Miles Garrett's probably one of the you know probably what the second best pure rusher in the game, right? If we're going to give it to TJ Watt and I would give it to TJ Watt, I would say that Miles Garrett right behind him is like the best, like just pure pass rusher. Um, so yeah, they're, um, they're interesting. I just, I just, 
I think what really stunned me, um, since we're on the topic of defense, um, is yep. the Patriots' defense getting so much pressure, right? Because last week they didn't get it. The week prior they didn't get it. Um, ever since obviously since Judon went out, it hasn't looked the same. Uche's been in and out of the lineup. Um, Keon White's out of the lineup. So, you know, you go in and your top edge rushers are Anthony Jennings and Dietrich Wise, and it's like they're good complementary rushers, but, like, we need like a rusher rusher, someone who can like get after the quarterback and Christian Barmore just decided, Hey, it's time for me to go ahead and get after the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, Cause with, with Anthony Jennings, like he was the focal point of the 2020 defense, which that defense was nothing, but this year, like, Hey, when you come in, do what you're supposed to do. That's, I feel like what Anthony Jennings is and Dietrich wise to an extent. Um, but no, they were getting to the Buffalo. They were getting to the Buffalo line, which Miami's line going to this week, uh, doesn't look good. I, Isaiah Williams getting cooked last night against Jalen yeah, Carter. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah, one like Jalen Carter on the. On it's Jalen Carter, so you get it. But yeah, he had a, a really rough one, and I know he hurt his uh, what here his oblique or his quad, um, yeah, something like that. And we'll see if he plays. But I think that's a that's that's why I feel like the, the game can be won because that O line isn't isn't moving me. So the one player I was talking about earlier with the whole can carry the Patriots in the next little while, which give me an S, give me wait, a let T, me guess. give me an E, give can me an A, give me an L. Yes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm stealing a tweet from you, buddy. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's who I was going to guess. Yes. Give Jabril me an S, give me a T, give yeah. me an E, give me an A, give me an L. What does that spell? Real peppers. Because <laughs> like, even it's not even his on like obviously look he had the interception right off the hop yep but it's the what happened off the field which i say this because even too yesterday like during bill belichick's thing david andrews is right there i know we were kind of ripping on him and i've seen it the last few weeks where i'm like yeah he's towards the end of his career but you need those leadership guys to help carry you especially through times like this yeah yeah and i think andrews probably played his best game of the season um and i think that having cole strange back and playing you know fully absolutely mattered he looked good um i know that um city looked good too on the right side i completely uh, yeah yeah city so city sound looked really good um i thought they had their obviously the o line had the best you know their best day of the year um but i think if anything it like it gives me like a level of hope that the o line can like not be an absolute dumpster fire because we had some really, really bad old line play. You know, Antonio Mafia was out there getting cooked, but Darian Lowe, I mean, my my word. Um, and he was still a better option than Calvin Anderson. So my word, you know, so it, <laughs> it looked rough. They moved on one who out to right tackle, which he hasn't played full time since, you know, his rookie year. And it looked good. So I think that is another thing that gives me like some hope that not that the Patriots will be good, because I think that that's kind of out the window, but some hope that they will not be a steaming hunk of crap like they were against Dallas, like they were against um, New Orleans, and really like they were against Las Vegas. I know the score was a little closer in that game, but they did not play well that game. No, the, the, the two Vegas games were so much alike to where it's a heartbreaking end to it, like max safety, and then obviously what the lateral in last year, but... My thing is, just, it goes back to the Saints game because I just want to be like, how do you look so bad, 34 nothing, and mm-hmm. then the Saints go out there and get cooked by C.J. Stroud and Trevor Lawrence in back-to-back weeks to where it's yeah. just one of those, how? Like, Dallas I understood, but at the same time, too, when they go out there and lose to San Fran, I'm like, okay, Dallas is in, like, territory where I'm like, you're a good team, but you're not going to hang with the big dogs of the NFL. Yeah. So with, with New England now, what this win does, like, I agree with you. 
it gives us a hope that look, this team's not going to be booty, for lack of a better word. This team's like I'm. I'm going to use the word because it's just a fun word to say, booty. But um, you know, like so, where you're not going to go on here every week now, and instead of like I said before, hey, expect to lose. It's going to be hey, there's that sense of we can win and do this because now you have a Miami team where I know I was saying Bills fans are in shambles. Their their fan base is just all over the place. Even the reporters too, like calling for the tush push to get banned, which. Is what it is. You have their two losses were their two losses to Buffalo by forty eight points, and then the Eagles hanging thirty one on them yesterday. Who all of a sudden got better today in the secondary? Yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna say. Also, here's a quick shout out to any NFL personnel listening. To this, if you get a two one five area code calling you, do not pick up the phone. You're gonna get, <laughs> you will get robbed. Get, <laughs> yes, you'll get finessed, and there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, and future Patriot, hopefully Debo Samuel on the television right now, like from your last podcast. Um, but uh, but no, so that's just the thing with this team now where it's like, hey, for the rest of the season, we can be competitive. We can like stay in these games to where if a what could have been four and 13 season, I'm only saying that because it looked bleak like that at one point now can turn into six or seven, six and 11, seven and 10. It's not ideal, but it's given the circumstances and what the pile of crap losses were, especially the, in October, because the ones in the ones in September are kind of excusable because it's like, you know what? Hey, Philly, Miami, those are supposed to be two really good teams. Meanwhile, Dallas yeah. and Vegas, not da- New Orleans and Vegas. Close. You kept it close and just yeah. you know, missed it at the end. But then you obviously the losses in October, right? Losing to Dallas and then losing to New Orleans. You you didn't even show up. You weren't even competitive. Um, and that's just really all I want out of my teams is like competitive Um, because if the team isn't good enough and people will tell you like, Oh, this team's not talented enough or whatever. um, And I don't necessarily disagree, but if the team's not talented enough, at least show us something to give us a little bit of hope. Like we talked about it on, you know, when I was on last time um, with regards to, you know, Patriots going out and getting a wide receiver only because it was like, give us something to look forward to. Um, And if you can string together a couple wins like this, um, throughout the year that is enough in my opinion to get me excited like all right well we'll see what it looks like with more you know with better personnel around them the way it was trending it was a matter of like all right cool max not going to be here none of the receivers are going to be here all the tight ends are going to be gone they're going to need an entirely new line what is there to be excited about now you start feeling like all right cool we see that you know pop douglas is someone you can be excited about you know like you, you see like, all right, cool. Maybe they have a little something in the running game. Maybe Mondre isn't, you know, isn't cooked. <laughs> people were, were toting that for whatever reason and things like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Is Kendrick Bourne an extension candidate or is he someone you think they'll probably walk in the off season? That is such a good question. I don't know. I originally, I thought, no, I'm like, you know, don't extend him. You have, you know, Kayshawn Booty. Um, you have DeMario. In the doghouse. Like, <laughs> you have these guys, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, you have these guys who all play the similar kind of role, right? But obviously they have now Booty trying to play that ex-Devante Parker kind of role. I saw, you know, the single side receiver and he's just going to, you know, go vertical and make the tough catches. Um, so then I guess you do have room for Bourne if you want him. Um, I think if it comes down to like, oh, well, we're not going to extend Juju and we're not going to extend Bourne because we have Juju. I think that's an error just because right now the whole Juju thing is not really panning out. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting. I, I almost wonder if if he wants to be extended. I know you like, you know, obviously he's a high energy guy or whatever, but I wonder if between last year, um, the start of this year, I wonder if he's just kind of like, I, kinda, I can go somewhere else and kind of ply my wares there. 
I feel like he's a guy that he'll either be a receiver one here, or if he goes to a contender, like how he was in San Francisco before, he can be like a wide receiver too, because I'll be honest with you. Um, if it was like, say if Buffalo was a candidate to sign him, I feel like if you're Buffalo, I'd rather go out and give Kendrick Bourne money than give Gabe Davis money at this moment in time. Cause Gabe well, Davis has been pretty, I think that's that I agree with that. And that's mostly because uh, Gabe Davis is terrible and I'm tired of pretending he's not right. He's a lot of lies were told about that guy coming off of that um, AFC championship game. They were like, Oh, Gabe Davis is going to take the net. Just watch. And I'm like, I don't know. He caught a bunch of wide open touchdowns. Like, Sure, that's great. Getting wide open is, is obviously very good, and catching the football is very good, and scoring touchdowns is very good. But the way people talked about him versus like what he's actually done, I'm just like, I don't see it. He basically had one really good game. He had a good game too. Like he he'll, ha- he'll he's one of those guys. He'll like kind of pop up out of nowhere to where it's uh, hey, he'll have like a three touchdown game. Like he did against Pittsburgh last year. He had like three touchdowns, 199 yards. But then the next week he'll do diddly squat or like how he had the four yep. touchdown game against Kansas City in that goofy ass game um i'm just like throwing it out there but because with them like look i don't think in the offseason you're going to trade parker or smith schuster just because i don't think you're gonna get much in return and Mm -hmm. i feel like especially with the parker extension you really handicapped yourself to him to at least i think 2024 to maybe after the 24 season you can move on from him but for now it's just kind of like hey you you laid in your bed you made it i just like to say kendrick Bourne too because he does seem like a good good besides the energy like good character guy and he's also really embrace Boston, just like mm-hmm. one of those guys. Like, he, I always see him, like, he's out and about. He's got his clothing brand. He's usually at Celtics games. There, there's a one Italian place in the North End that I went to when I was there last year that I really like that they all went to. It's the only reason I went there. But um, you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those yeah. things now to where say, hey, if they want to go out and trade for – I still want to say – I, I love T. Higgins, but I feel like that's off the table unless Cincinnati gets cooked Sunday afternoon in San Francisco. But there is someone from LSU on an 0-6 team that currently is available. I know you love Bring him. him. Bring him. <laughs> Bring him. <laughs> Bring him to me. <laughs> that's the thing, though, where, like, I know everyone's saying, like, yeah, there's Adam Thielen's a trade candidate. I know D-Hop's name's probably coming up, especially after what happened sure. today with Tennessee. But I don't know if he'd go make that trade right now because I feel like Mm-mm. you'll probably have to overpay. But yeah. a Terrace Marshall, someone that, hey, if you have to give up, like, a fifth or, like, not even a you fifth. don't have yep. to give up that. I think you'll probably get him for a seven, uh, a seven and a swap, like a seven for uh, for him and a six or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, or yeah. obviously a six, a six for him and a seven kind of situation. I think like a, he's a candidate to get cut, like a McCole Hardman trade or even the yep. um, mm-hmm. who's the player I'm thinking of, Jason Denzel, Jackson. Uh, no, Den- him or even Denzel Mims too. I know Denzel. Yep. Yeah, no yeah, idea yep. Mims is now, but that whole even hey if. Terrace plays like X amount of snaps that 2025 seventh becomes a 2025 sixth. So it's like yep. one of those things where, yep, because he, he's the kind of player too. I would like to see them bring in just because, hey, it's that a bit of an X factor guy with something to prove, all this stuff, even though I know Bengal fans really want him right now because of the Joe Burrow connection. But yeah. bring him, make McGarvin happy for the love of God, please. I, I beg. I when he got <laughs> drafted by Carolina, I got really annoyed because I just knew at the time they had Matt Rule, and I'm just like. That team's not going anywhere. They're going to be terrible. They're going to waste him. And then they didn't play him. He, you know, he was benched in favor of Shy Smith, and Shy Smith's not even on the team anymore. And I'm like, this is absurd. Send that man somewhere else. So please send him my way. That would be sick. Um, I'm a big believer. So go ahead. And I, I, I just, I think he's a low risk, moderate reward, right? Like, because I, sure, you, you, you give up a, a draft pick or a, 
Jesus Christmas. Sorry, Jake Moody just, I mean, absolutely just, I've never seen a miss like that. But, um, 99th overall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is, holy cow, bro. Okay, so I'm behind it from you, but. <laughs> yeah, what? that's pretty rough. <laughs> what happened? You're in a dome. Yeah, that is. That is legitimately inexcusable. That's a third-round pick. Insane. But I think Terrace Marshall is the kind of player that you can go ahead and you get. You know, he still has another year on his contract after this one. It's a low-risk move. Uh, yeah. It may it may not it may not even you know pan out, and it doesn't matter. You just take a swing. You get yourself a you know uh, a player who was thought of as a a high you know high second late first kind of guy coming out. See what see what's there. Take a shot on talent, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You didn't give up anything for it. It's the whole, like, you know what, hey, play around. I, I'm going to my podcast. I'll say what I want. It's the whole fuck around and find out philosophy with him yeah. where it's just like, hey, we can go out and get him and see what we want. I don't want people coming and being like, this guy's wide receiver water. If he's not getting mm-hmm. safe, they trade for him. Like, excuse me. And then he's not, like, in the commander's game, he's not utilized. It's just like, oh, what's uh, this? Uh, da, da, da. But then there's, like, the one random game where everyone's like, hey, maybe we got something here to where yeah. it's because that's the thing I feel like the Patriots really need to capitalize on right now. Like, we were talking about, look. They're not going to be in Vegas. They're not going to be in the locker room when Usher's on stage singing. <laughs> but when come next off season, like when it's February, when it's March, you know, when you and I are the kind of guys that are on here talking about this, when the normal fans kind of like, you know, oh, hey, did you hear about this or did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you and I are on here breaking it down. Why? Because we love this game and we're sick. We're sick perverts for football. But um, <laughs> we're sickos. <laughs> we're sick. Exactly. We're sickos. So when you have that, it's that, hey, there's this Terrace Marshall kid. There's something to get excited about. There's Kendrick. Hey, they're bringing back Kendrick Bourne. I also look at the Kendrick Bourne thing to bring back because obviously, look, they, there is the money to spend too. And that's another part to all this. That, look, there is the money to spend. And one thing I want to say quickly, going back to Mac. So there's two things. One, no way in hell has he lost a locker room. I feel like all those guys yesterday were so happy to see him do what he did. That they on needed the field. that. They needed that. Yeah, they wanted it for him. Them mentally, and for God's sakes, for McGarvin and I's mentals, <laughs> they needed that. Yeah. So with so with that, it's just like that's where I'm looking at it now. It's where I'm like, I was talking to my friend today who's a Jets fan, and I told him like, because I know there's some Pats fans out there that are saying like, oh hey, they can run the table like five and five going into the bye. I'm not there yet. I'm. I might get there though if they do beat Miami because if they are at yeah. three and five, it's that, that kind of changes the conversation. Yeah, it changes it to where it's like, hey, you can beat Sam Howell. Hey, the Colts have looked impressive, but for some reason, Bill Belichick's had their number a lot ever since Peyton mm-hmm. Manning retired. Like, I don't think Andrew Luck beat him once. I know there was the game in 21, but that was a schedule loss for the Patriots where Jonathan Taylor. Just really put that exclamation mark. Yeah, in us. that was that was annoying. That was an annoying game, especially because that that was a game that Duggar got got thrown out after fighting with Michael Pittman. He made him yeah. cry on the field, and then <laughs> and then there's that giant game, which for the love of God, if you do not win that football game, there is a yeah. problem with this team. Yeah. So that's where I look at it now, to where I'm like, hey, if they win Sunday, it's kind of that because like let's say there's two worlds. There's the world where they win Sunday, three and five, and Go two and one in Feb- two and one in November. I almost said February. If you win in February in this league, you're doing something right. <laughs> so if you're three and five, and then you're five and six going into December, where that's like okay, we have room to lose one game, which is the Kansas City or Buffalo game. But if you go and you run the table to where it's hey, three and five, four and five, five and five, you're going into that Charger game at six and five. There's room 
for error. And I don't want to say that in a bad way. I just want to say that in the way of, you know, they can afford to lose the Chiefs. Or if they slip up against the Steelers on that Thursday night, just because a Thursday night with travel, you never really know. Or Thursday yep. night games, it, so it always gets weird. It yeah. always gets weird. Yep. So with that, it's kind. Of, that's what I'm saying. It changes the conversation. Going back to Mac now, I remember after the first two games, I was like, you know what? Hey, pick up the fifth year option. It's fine. I think you treat Mac as you bring in someone to make him compete for his job, like we saw sure, with sure. him and Cam back in 2021. Sure. That's why I don't want to, unless they shit the bed and they go down the rack. Like say if Sunday. They do what the Broncos did in Miami. Then, yeah, we're going to re-entertain the conversation of a rookie quarterback. But for now, I'll get your thoughts on what I said, but I have a few names of vets that I feel like could be bringing candidates if they truly want to move on from Mac so quickly. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think they are looking for a – they've been looking for a backup quarterback all year, right? So yeah. They, you know, they, they, we talked about it before. They cycled through a bunch of guys. They want – um a new backup quarterback. My only thing is they're looking at younger options, which is fine. Obviously that's, yeah. you know, that's fine. I do think though, what they're, what they need is a, a more veteran presence, someone who like can just write the ship. If, if, you know, Max starts to falter or if rookie quarterback to be named later starts to falter. I think even if you go out and you go and get yourself a rookie quarterback, say you are in range for Drake May and you go up and you get him, you get Michael Penix jr. Or whatever the case is there. I think you want to bring in a veteran anyway, because right now the Patriots are in a weird spot because obviously you just came off those two, you know, two brutal losses against, you know, Dallas and New Orleans. And both of those, in, in both of those games, I thought, Hey, you probably should just pull Mac. Cause he is like a danger to himself. Right. Not <laughs> even just cause like, I don't like him or anything. Cause I do like Mac. It's just more a matter of like, Hey, he is in his own head. You, you kind of got to pull him except you had no one to turn to, right? Because yeah. you, you pull him, you put Bailey Zappi in there, and that's just a concession, right? <laughs> Nothing's going to happen from there. So it's like, all right, cool. Um, I think you bring in a, a veteran quarterback anyway. Um, as far as the fifth-year option, I I haven't figured out how I feel about how I feel about it in general, right? So before 2020, it wasn't guaranteed. It was only guaranteed guaranteed for injury. So you can cut a guy for skill and be all right, even after you pick up his fifth-year option. Yeah. But now it being fully guaranteed at the, at the moment it's signed kind of changes the conversation a little bit. I almost feel like with a quarterback, you pick up the fifth-year option anyway, um, even if you intend to draft someone, even if you intend to sign someone, you bring them in and bring him in anywhere anyway, because I think that's where the Giants messed up with the whole Daniel Jones thing, right? They didn't pick up his option, which is which is fair. I understood why they didn't. Um, and then he played how he played, and, you know, he, he threw, what was it, 11 touchdowns? And they were like, yeah, $40 million for yeah. this guy. Um, so, yeah, you, you don't want to end up in a situation where, like, you ha- where, where you lose all your leverage and you have to pay a guy – an exorbitant amount, an, an exorbitant amount of money, just because you have no other options, and because it's like, hey, if we don't let him, if we don't re-sign him, we didn't pick up his option. It's it's going to be Tyrod Taylor back there, and we can't have that. Which I mean, right now it's looking like that might be the fine option. And if because with the with the Giants, if Daniel Jones plays Sunday against the Jets and Sauce, you know, does Sauce Gardner things and picks him off a couple of times. Like, things are going to get bleak for if you're a supporter of Big Blue, even though I know Giants fans are – some of them are just outright delusional about Daniel Jones. Um, but when it comes to Mac, here's my thing. I don't think we would build put him in a self-situation for one because I feel like with the Giants, it was more of a, hey, if we don't get Daniel Jones signed, we have no one. Yeah. But then with Mac, it's different because Ooh. I feel like even – if because that's the other thing too. 
The Giants obviously look, they had a great schedule. They ran the table. They went to the playoffs. They beat Minnesota, yada, yada, yada. And then they got cooked by Philly. With this team, though, next year, looking ahead, like we know what Buffalo is at this point. I feel like they might be that team, like they may never. Oh, what the hell is that going on here? Yeah, it was a nice little play. Yeah. So, yeah, you're quite a bit ahead of me. Woo. Um, is San Francisco? No, I'm not going to ready to say San Francisco looking vulnerable because it's prime time, Kirk. Um, so <laughs> going back to Mac, though, so that's the thing where now if they, hey, you, if you don't pick up his fifth year, fourth year, he plays great. I don't think you need to worry about him. You need to worry about that. I feel like you don't, you're not going to give him $40 million. Meanwhile, here's the other thing too with that because with the AFC East, because next year it's going to be the same thing. We're going to be the fourth team on paper because Buffalo is going to be, they're always going to put Buffalo up there because of Josh Allen and we'll see what they do. Look, their defense is banged up, but it is what it is. Injuries happen. Miami is, we know what Miami is now. Miami still is, I, they're, they're going to be a good team, but Miami's going to be flash. Whew, Miami's my, Miami's so interesting because uh, a really interesting stat that someone had like pointed out online yesterday and it kind of blew my mind. They were like, yeah, Miami doesn't beat teams. You know, they don't beat teams with good records. And I'm like, no way. And then you go back and you're like, oh my God, no way. <laughs> so I mm, mm. chargers, us Broncos, giants, Panthers, all of those teams have won zero games or two games. <laughs> yeah. That's, that is, Yeah. <laughs> That's why if Miami loses on Sunday. A lot of people are going to be being like, hey, what are you? But if they go out there and win, it's going to be the same thing, too, where it's like, hey, what are you? Because, look, you you lost to the Bills and the Eagles, but the Patriots, we know, hey, they aren't the best. Right. Um, They're a two-win then, team as well. Exactly. And then going back to my point before, and with the Jets next year, I feel like they'll still have the same expectations because Aaron Rodgers, I feel like, barring something goofy, I just can't see a world where he's not playing next year. Sure. So with sure. that, it's like, hey, if Mac, even this year, if Mac finished off the year well, there's not really that case there. So one viable option I think they can do with him, even if you want to pick up his fifth year, do what Zach Wilson is doing right now in New York to where, you know what, hey, you bring in a vet, try to ride the next two years out, and then hopefully after that, hey, give Mac the keys to the kingdom. Because there's a quarterback playing right now that is a free agent after this year. There is a quarterback that you could you could go Mr. after. Cousins? Yeah, it's not ideal. But I will say this, though. Imagine putting Kirk Cousins on this year's Atlanta Falcons. That team is... They'd be much better. Desmond Ritter can't play. No, and B. John Robinson was hidden with a headache for some reason. That was so weird. And he still and he got a carry for three yards with 28 seconds left in the game. What was that? Imagine if you put him and Kyle Pitts on a useful team that knew how to run proper offensive schemes. Yeah. Just, just imagine. Just imagine. Yeah. Like, you pry them away. Like, I saw... I heard something about, like, them wanting to draft Brock Bowers, and I'm like... Please don't like don't you're do just that. Gonna, you're gonna ruin him. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing I worry about because everyone's already calling Kyle Pitts a bust, and I'm like, no, no, no. Pitts is gonna be like, even though he's hurt right now, what Hawkinson is like. Hawk, he's there. Pitts will go somewhere. I feel like afterwards that will use him, and it's gonna be like, hey, this guy's really effing good. It's like, oh yeah, this guy rocks. And you're like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yep. Um, can we go to college football in the draft for a second? Sure, go for it. I'm out on Caleb Williams. Really. I I'm sorry. It's just I know the USC defense is there. I just the I we're not even we're not Patriots aren't even going to be in position to get him. He's probably going to be a Bear or, or a Cardinal. Yeah. But which actually I have a take on the Cardinals in a little bit. Um, with the Caleb Williams thing, I just look at him as this. You know, the it's the ownership thing. It's the I feel like it's that whole he's 
it's more than anything. It look it, not the Notre Dame loss. It was the Utah loss. Like the fact that like you were up so much, but then you kind of couldn't hold the fort down and yada, yada, yada. It's the fact too. I know everyone's already saying this whole stuff where it's like, Oh, just sit the rest of the year out. Don't, don't, don't play your bowl game. Like you, you may, like you may not probably won't make the playoffs. Heisman, who knows at this point, which I feel yeah. like at this point, look, if the, if Washington gets to the Pac-12 championship, I think Mike, there's a very strong, strong case for Michael Penix to win it. Yep. Um, but with him though, I just feel like it's going to be this whole, even to the comparisons to Pat Mahomes, where it's like, he's the next Pat Mahomes. I'm like, guys, don't do this no. for years. I'm going to take a very famous quote. It's a basketball movie. Coach Carter, do you remember how there was that one, the one school like that, his, that Sam Jackson's kid, Samuel L. Jackson, excuse me, his kid was playing for some prep school? Yeah. Ty Crane. Ty Crane has got kid's name. Or he was like, how do you feel like being the Lex LeBron? He's like, I'm not LeBron. I'm this. It's yeah. the same thing with Caleb, where I feel like everyone's going to anoint him. You know, he's the next big thing. He's this and this. Like, look at this year's draft. Bryce Young, next big thing. Guess what? CJ Stroud's looking like the quarterback from this year's draft. Yeah. So where. Like, I'm not saying like I'm out on Caleb Williams as a player. I feel like he's going to have a carving a great career in this league, or he, he has a chance to. I just feel like everyone puts too much expectations because of the Pat Mahomes effect to where it's yep they're going to come in and light the world on fire. It's like all these tight ends that get unrealistic expectations. To even now, when people are like, "Oh, why wasn't Travis Kelsey a first round pick?" and I'm just like, "Go watch him play in college. These yeah, kids need the, that." Yep. There's yep. a reason why they need to play three years in college ball. Yeah, yeah. I um I I particularly despise the whole next Pat Mahomes one because coming out, Pat Mahomes was boomer bust. Everyone's like, Oh yeah, I don't know if I take him that high because like his 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 style of play is sustainable for the NFL. He, it, oh yeah, he can make all these sick throws, but that's in college, it's gonna be different. Blah, blah, blah. In the big twelve. <laughs> Right, yeah, you know what I mean? So it, it yeah. just it looked different. So I understand why he went, you know, obviously still in the first round, but like, you know, I understand why he wasn't the first quarterback taken. I don't know why it was Mitchell Trubisky, but I understand why he wasn't the first quarterback taken. I just think it's we're at a point where people are like, oh, yes, let's now scout those traits. And it's like, right, but that's how you end up with Zach Wilson at number two overall. Like, stop. Like Zach Wilson went number so that was the other thing too is the whole it's the whole the fact that Caleb Williams struggles against top five like ranked opponents it's you know losing the Cotton Bowl to Tulane Tulane's a great program don't get me wrong but it's They're, Tulane uh, come on not, it's Tulane it's, it's too oh. exactly it's Tulane yeah this this is just oh, man San Francisco yikes yeah. um but to where with him now it's this whole like like with Zach Wilson I remember looking at his 2020 season where I'm like. You beat up on shitty teams to yep. where you played Coastal Carolina for the love of God, yep. and they ran all over you. And then you yep. had one booming throw in your pro day, and that was enough for Joe Douglas to go, I need to draft him. Yep. No, that's not how this thing works. Like yep. if you put like if you I feel like if you put Justin Fields on this on the New York Jets, it's I'm not saying it's better, but I'm just saying there's not that craziness where Zach Wilson comes in now where it's like, hey. This Utah kid has to have these crazy expectations because, oh, look, he had one good throw and, hey, he beat up on a bunch of crappy teams before BYU got to the Big 12. And not a knock on the Big 12, but we all know that's a conference that doesn't necessarily play defense. So Nope, defense optional. No, defense is optional. That's why I think Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, which I feel like they're going to get cooked in the SEC next year, but that's another story for another day. Um, So that's just the thing with Caleb Williams. Like I I said, probably going to have a great career. I just feel like we're going to hear for three months from pretty much – Feb- January 8th, when the college national championship happens in Houston, 
till he walks up on the floor, even if it might. Well, we'll see if he's in Detroit next April or not, but we're going to hear from them until they're why he's this, why he's that. Like, and it's all, you know, I'm not saying anything bad. I'm just saying I don't like putting these unrealistic expectations on players. I feel like like there's certain sports you can do, like basketball. Like, I think Wembenyama is going to be fantastic. But with football, you're basically going from playing kids who are in school to against grown-ass men, grown-ass men who have families to feed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, go on. The way I always put it in the NFL, or the transition from college to NFL, the way I always think of it is um, – and this, I know it applies to a lot of sports, but because football is the the ultimate team sport, in 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 the fact that like you just need everyone to be on the same page and doing their thing in order for it to to work even remotely, um, I think it's always just interesting. It's like, oh yeah, they dominated in college, and I'm like against people who will never play the sport again, right? Versus in the NFL, everyone in the NFL was like one of the best players in their school's history. You know what I'm saying? Like you have guys who like own like the, the record for the most receiving yards in NCAA history. And he was a seventh round pick and not even on a roster, you know, like the, everyone was the best at their school. That's why they're in the league. They're all, you know, like that. There's going to be an adjustment period there. I think we just need to allow these players that adjustment period. Yeah. You need that. And you need just a general census of like, Hey, the jump is a quite significant one because there's a reason why they call them welcome to the NFL moments. Yeah. That's, that's why they say it. Like I know every sport has it. Like, like I was saying with NBA, like with the NBA, when one Banyama is going to have that game, but at the same time too, he's going to go out there and show the world. Hey, why is this huge Frenchman a freak? Well, that's why. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Quick question for you. Um, how are you going to feel in about three and a half or about four and a half years when we see Jamar Chase cook a random math teacher from a European country and flag football? <laughs> okay, I'm super stoked on that. Um, just because, like, I'm curious to see. I, I obviously, I think, obviously, you know, it's, it's going to be the days, Avengers. It's it's going to be pretty. It's going to be pretty ugly. I know, but just like how you know the Olympics is, you know. As basketball, I'm always curious to see how other teams play it, right? Or how are the how are the countries play it, especially countries who aren't as big into the sport. So I'm just like, how is it going to look like, you know, when when Japan is out there playing flag football? Like, do they have any particular schemes they want to run or or whatever? And also, I think it'll also be a really good moment for like the whole pros versus Joe's thing, right? Because I remember, you know, every every year there. Every Olympic year, there's a tweet that someone puts out and it goes super viral every single time, even though it just went viral four years ago. But someone will say like, oh, something along the lines of, hey, I think in the Olympics, they should put like an average person on there just so we have a point of reference. I feel like flag football is going to be that. Like we're going to have the NBA, uh, the NFL players and we're going to know like, hey, you know, these are great. And then we're going to get to see them against people who just can't compete. And that's going to be awesome. Exactly. For them, it's a cool moment because it's like, hey, I'm going up against this guy. But then it's like, hey, there's a reason why. And that's the other thing with college, with the whole NFL, the college thing, too. There's a reason why 1% of college players make it to the NFL. Yeah. But with that, it's just like the only countries I see maybe being competitive is Canada, just because, look, there is the CFL. CFL, and, for sure. Like, they, I, I know everyone likes to clown on it, but those guys, they're ball they're professionals. Like, they, they're, they're professionals. professionals. Yeah. Like, like Toronto's roster is filled with guys who went to recognize like Notre Dame, Mississippi State, Memphis, yeah. um, Ole Miss with Chad Kelly. Like there's all these guys that like went to recognizable schools to where some of them are American, but for the Canadians, there's still some really good Canadian talent in there to where it's like, hey, they can do something. And then the other one is Mexico, just because 
I know Mexico from that. Remember that Super Bowl commercial last year with the girl? I do. They were teasing it for like all the years where you had Aiden Hutchinson going housekeeping. Yeah. Um, you had, and then even sauce with like dipping the wing in the sauce. It's all about the sauce. Like that commercial there to where I'm like, hey, I feel like Mexico has something. And with, I feel like there might be a couple of European countries, but it's going to be what 1992 was for men's basketball, where it's just, just absolute dis. Demolishing, maybe by like absolute demolition. There's the word. Exactly. It's just going to be an absolute ass whipping from a lot of these countries for the first couple, but by like twenty thirty six or twenty forty, maybe some countries, hey, have the ability to maybe not lose by forty, but maybe lose by twenty. Because in all, in all, in all seriousness, even though like, look, I'm not American, but we all know the best football players in the world live in the United States for, a for reason. sure. Yeah. So that's that's just my take on it because. I didn't get to talk about it last week, and I was like, you know what? I got to bring it up this week. Not for sure. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be um, fun. And I think flag football offers a different skill set that, um, or requires a different skill set that I think we could see some players that we wouldn't expect to be on Team USA on Team USA, right? Like I, I think some of the more, uh, damn, some of the smaller, um, smaller, shiftier guys will get, you know, will get, will find themselves in an enviable position and it's going to be real funny when you know team usa is just out there whooping butt and everyone's just going to say like these aren't even our best players <laughs> right like like are you going to send jamar chase like no kj osborne's probably going to be good enough like you know what i mean like yeah and I, I got what you mean the only that's my only worry too with a lot of those guys in there where i feel like for the first time the nfl is encouraging hey go 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 but someone's gonna do something because with flag football look there's gonna be a non-contact injury to where the next olympics roger's gonna be like hey yeah maybe the superstars don't don't mm-hmm. go that's my, mm-hmm. that's my that's my that's like the only like worry if you will but for the most part i feel like people who have never watched football before from all these random countries that is a funny penalty to take from 91 <laughs> um for, like from random countries, you're going to look at these athletes and go, "Holy crap, these guys are like, these guys are talented." So maybe it might open a window for the NFL to go, "Hey, we can get more USA fans." As Brandon Ayuk makes a catch to where, yeah, he is San Francisco's wide receiver one. Yeah. Um, that's 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 how I feel about it. It's where like the NFL takes it as an advantage too, where it's like, "Hey, watch our product." And I know too the dates with the Olympics and also here's so two things. One, the games are scheduled before training camp opens. So that's where it's like, hey, go, because it's in the dead of the NFL offseason. Yep. The other reason why I think they're promoting it is because it's L.A. I feel like if it was yep. in – Absolutely. Because I know next year's Paris. If these were Paris, I don't know if they'd be too keen on these guys going Yep. all the way over. Because, like, the NHL has that problem with sending Olympians because, oh, we don't want to go – we didn't want to go all the way to, like, China or Korea. But then, like, hey, when the Olympics were in Vancouver or Salt Lake, it was, hey, no problem. Sure, Go. I know, and then obviously everyone's saying, "Oh, but the NBA, it's the NBA offseason is different." That's I think the other big key with this all is like I'm going to say again, it's the fact that it's in Los Angeles. Agree, and the NFL has been slowly making uh, making it clear that their hub of activities is going to be in LA, right? The NFL network moved obviously it was in LA, it was originally in Culver City, um, but now across it's from SoFi know, now. <laughs> yeah, now it's right across from SoFi. Obviously. They poured a lot of money into that stadium over there. They want LA to be a destination. They put two teams over there, <laughs> despite the fan interest not being all that uh, all that high. I think they are very clearly making a push towards like LA is football, and I think that I think having the Olympics in LA and having flag football at the Olympics, it all just kind of meshes. 
Exactly. It's like a happy marriage to, to where, hey, NBC does the Olympics so you can have Tariqo and Collinsworth call those events. Because I know that's why Tariqo and even Maria Taylor, they went to the – that's the reason why they went to NBC, not so much for football, but, hey, because you're getting that Olympic, not mm-hmm. gender belt. Um, the only thing I ask with the NFL hub is do not move the combine to Los Angeles. Please keep it in Indianapolis because it, it just it feels it feels right having it there. Yeah. Um that yeah, that's it. But then with but just before we wrap up, with the all the games yesterday, were there any teams or players that really stood out to you, obviously besides what happened in New England? Charges are terrible, um, and we have to just stop pretending they're not because we like their quarterback. I'm sorry. That is just not a very good team. I I know we're going to blame Staley, and he needs to be fired, yada, 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 but come on. they People had them in the AFC Championship game this summer, and they've won the same number of games as the Patriots, right? And I had someone who was like, oh, well, they, you know, the Patriots played one more game, and I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. This is not a very good team. You know what I mean? I, I don't I don't buy the Chargers. I didn't buy them last year. I didn't buy them the year before that. I like Justin Herbert. I really do. I just think he gets a lot of love that quarterbacks with similar career paths didn't. Um, so I just, I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm just like, this team doesn't move me in any way. And the other the other takeaway I had from um from yesterday is that uh Bears fans are about to experience a little weird, uh, weird taste of Zappy Mania, right? You had, uh, <laughs> was it Tyler, uh, Tyler ba- Bagnet or Tyson Bagnet? Bagent. Tyson, Tyson Bagent. See, like, I got his name all fucked up. Tyson Bagent went out there and, uh, didn't really do anything, but they won. Uh, they won by 18. Um, and so I was scrolling, you know, scrolling through the, the Bears trending because they were trending, obviously. And I'm scrolling through and you have fans calling for you know for Bajan to start regardless of if you know Fields is ready or not and I'm like that is sick that is sick he didn't do anything but I'm I'm just glad it's happening to another fan base and not ours this time exactly and they're gonna have their opposite happen this Sunday night to where if Bajan goes out there and just gets like I can't believe Bears and Chargers is a primetime game I I can't believe they didn't flex it my god you had Bengals and Niners right there yeah, that game's at three twenty-five. Hell, even New England, Miami, put put us in there again. But yeah. like, I know the league loves the league loves Los Angeles and they love Chicago. Plus two in two weeks. Oh yeah, we get um, Vegas and the Jets in prime time. Which like, good lord, they're gonna have to flex that. I know they've been kind of reluctant to flex, but that is, come on, man, come on, come on. Zach Wilson versus Jimmy G slash Brian Hoyer slash Aiden O'Connell. Come on. <laughs> throw us one I, I NFL. Know. I know, I know. But um yeah, and then my big takeaways from yesterday were uh, there are two bird teams that I think are truly legit, and that's Baltimore and Seattle. Not like Super Bowl legit, but like that are they're they are good. Like they like have the stamp of approval of good. Like say what you want about Detroit, I feel like they'll be fine, but thirty eight to six, like Yeah, they got destroyed. Especially coming off of a week where everyone was like really singing their praises. They're like, they turned the corner. Dan Campbell's so great, la la la. And then they just got absolutely destroyed. And I was like, sick. Because <laughs> the NFL is just so good at reminding you, like, hey, what you thought you thought isn't what you thought. Like, yeah. it's, it's just not, it. everything doesn't go the way you expect it to go every time. Now, 38 to 6, 
never would have guessed that. But them losing was always a possibility, I think. And we just saw that, man, they got it taken to them. I don't know what happened to their offense. They were just all over the place. I think they were just due for a stinker, you know? Like, it happened yeah. It happened in New England all the time as well, like where there's just one game where shit didn't go right. Like, it's just, hey, you got punched in the mouth, just move on to the next week and then go. Kind of like the Patriot game I like to think of is the week after the Miami Miracle one in Pittsburgh where, oh, man. yeah. See? Just yeah. like, or like even their game in Detroit that year where there's just games where it's just like, they'll be fine, but then there's games where it's just like, oh, yeah, you you lost. Not you, yeah. you didn't lose, you lost. Yeah. You know what comes to mind for, for me with that one is the um, the Ravens game in... 2012? No, but that was terrible. Holy shit, that was, that was awful. Um, the Ravens game in 20, I think it was 19. Um, oh, yeah, Sunday Night Football. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where it <laughs> It was one of those games where, like, people think about think back on it, and they're like, oh, it was a pretty good game. And I'm like, no. At no point did I feel like the Patriots were going to win that game, and they didn't. And I'm like, yeah, that was just not a good game. Before we move on to some other games, you know what yesterday's game reminded me of? The 2020 game against Baltimore in New England where it was just um, – yes. I don't even want to say pouring rain. was a yeah. monsoon. The monsoon. Yeah, the, the Kyle Duggar coming out party. Yeah, that was a game that no one gave us a shot in, and it was just like – Patriots just started winning, and it was like, yeah, they're just going to go ahead and finish it. That was when Jacoby Myers threw the touchdown to Rex Burkhead. I mm-hmm. remember that game. That was that was a sick game. Exactly. That's what yesterday reminded me of. And then with Seattle, I just feel like they're not I, – I always thought they were going to take a step back. I'm going to take that take back. I don't think they are. I feel like Seattle – Hey, they're they're looking pretty good in this Sunday's game. Them against Cleveland, that's going to be one to watch. That's going to be a lot of fun as well. I just hope that you know Gino is able to protect the football when he's under pressure because that mm-hmm. was the biggest issue against the in, in the Cincinnati game. He was just kind of like loose with the football whenever he was under pressure, and they pressured him a bunch. And I think Cleveland can and will do that significantly more. So as long as he can protect the football, I think they can win that game. It is a uniform game for the Seahawks as they're breaking out their uh, Steve Largent era retro jerseys on yes, Sunday. Yes, yes. Those are some sick jerseys, too. I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I A game that I I watched all the way through and I just don't – I still don't know how I feel about either team involved was um, Pittsburgh, L.A., the, the Rams. I don't feel any differently about either team, but I'm just like, do you both suck or are you both like kind of good? Like, Help me understand what is happening. I have a better word for you. I think both of you are still pretty mid to where yeah, yeah. you're going to have one. They're going to have one week where like the Rams, hey, they look good. They whooped the Cardinals. And then the Steelers one week, hey, you got coached by the Texans, but you beat the, you beat the Ravens. Yeah. Um, I also call it Mike Tomlin underdog syndrome, where when Mike Tomlin is an underdog, they, they always win. It's just, sure. it's, it's weird. He's a good how, coach. He's exactly. Good coach that's what happens. That's what happens to where I know they're still calling for blame Canada, fire Matt Canada. Yep. But with Pittsburgh, it's just they're they're such a week by week team to where yeah. it's like, hey, one week you're gonna look good, one week you're gonna look bad. Same thing with the Rams. I feel like with the Rams, it's gonna be, hey, you're gonna have one good game, then you're gonna have one bad game. Like I want to look this up quickly just to see who both are playing next week because I don't know off the top of my head who either one play next week. But uh, let's go to NFL. So the Steelers, so the ooh, the Rams play the Cowboys. That's gonna be a very telling game for both sides. Steelers play. The Jaguars. I think that's, that's going to be th- another game that I feel like is going to end, and I'm going to feel no different about either team. 
because I think those two teams are like pretty evenly matched in terms of like my opinion of them. Jacksonville has two games coming up to where it's Pittsburgh and San Francisco to where I'm like, those games are going to make define your season truly. Yeah. I don't think they're, um, I really don't think Jacksonville's very good, um, but we'll see what they can do. I think Trevor Lawrence is low key having himself a little bit of a slump, but they're, you know, they, they beat Buffalo. So you, you feel pretty good about that. And then obviously they, they beat Indianapolis, but it just, I don't know. I I have not been super encouraged with – I expected him to, to take that, like, superstar step because I thought last year he was really good, and I expected him to, like, all right, take that step where he's like, all right, he's one of the ten best quarterbacks in the league. But right now I'm kind of just like – it's kind of figuring it out. Peter King gave them the one seed going into this year for his playoff prediction. So That was a little overzealous. That, Peter King, don't get me – don't get me wrong, dream guest of this podcast and everything like that, but it very overzealous. Even to Pete Prisco of CBS, had them go into the Super Bowl. That uh, did he watch them last year? They weren't like they weren't that kind of team. I feel like everyone. So I feel like they they are the team equivalent to Gabe Davis, where everyone's blinded by what happened in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, because yeah. like look at them last year, twenty-seven nothing. The Chargers shoot themselves in the foot, and then the next week, look, I know they hung in tough with Kansas City, but. Even that's another thing I got to talk about right now, where that team just shape shifts every fucking season, where it's something new. As, yep. uh, I thought Ray Ray was barfing on the sidelines. He just took his helmet off. Um, but yeah, like where this year, like Kansas City's like, hey, sure. Oh, so you say what you want about their offense. They have a brilliantly schemed defense. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I completely agree with you about like Pittsburgh with LA with um, death taxes and a Christian McCaffrey touchdown. Uh, with with all those takes, um, one other game I want to talk about quickly: Thursday night football, obviously, because it's the next game on the docket. Yep, I'm going to say this right now: Buffalo needs this game more than anything. I think we're slowly starting yeah. to see the Tampa. Tampa, Tampa is us last year. You know, yeah, they're, they're going to beat up on the teams that they should beat up on, even though they lost to freaking Atlanta yesterday. Yep. But um, even though, like, yeah, so they lost to Atlanta, but then they're like, hey, they beat Minnesota, they beat Chicago. They lost to the Lions. They beat the Saints. Like they lose all these teams, but then they're going into Buffalo on a short week after two bad losses. The Bills have a, a home game three days after having a bad loss, and only followed by a very close win, and then another game. I'm going to say this right now: if Buffalo does not win this game, or even if they just pull one out, if they pull a rabbit out of the hat again, you got to hit the panic button on that team. You, yeah, I am. Um... You got it. I'm someone who doesn't like to panic because I'm always like, eh, it'll work out, it'll work out. Um, but four and three and looking how they looked, I would I would panic as well. Um, I think they have way more issues than, than we're trying to give them credit for, right? I know that, obviously, you, you mentioned at the top of the show that they're banged up on defense, which is fair. They are really banged up on defense. I think their issues on offense, though, are just, like, not the kind of things that we can just, like, band-aid away right i think they need another receiver outside of gabe davis because they're not doing anything down the field with their tight ends right dawson knox has you know has a wrist injury we just learned Mm -hmm. earlier today he's gonna have surgery he's gonna be out indefinitely um dalton kincaid had a a coming out out party yesterday for sure but i'm not encouraged because they everything was so short (laughs) they were basically the, the patriots defense was like hey check it down and josh allen was like okay and so obviously dalton kincaid had a, had a you know a big name in terms of counting stats um and james cook obviously also 
also had a, a big game in terms of like just his counting stats. But I think they need another receiver in the worst way. That interior defense, the, the interior of their offensive line is so soft. Christian Barmore, Devon Godshaw, they were absolutely wrecking shop down there. Sam Roberts even had a few pressures. It was it was pretty bad. Um, I don't know how it's going to get any better because like teams just don't have spare O-linemen <laughs> just hanging around. Like you're also playing to a team with Tampa. They're not their defense is not a slouch. Their defense yep. is still very yeah. solid. And also, too, my other thing with them is if Pop Douglas and Kendrick Bourne did what they did yesterday, what like we gotta expect something out of Mike Evans Mike, going yep. into this game as yeah. well. Yeah, it's it's so tough because again, the injuries are the reason, but I think more than anything, we're about four weeks away from really questioning that Kyrie Elam pick, right? Because yeah. obviously, you know, at the time a lot of people thought he would be really good. I personally never really <laughs> never really bought in <laughs> to the whole Kyrie Elam thing just because he played it at at you know, Florida, Florida, and I maybe I've just been burned by the Duke Dawson pick, or you know, any number of uh, picks outside of that. It's just I don't trust DBs out of out of Florida. They just don't translate all, as often as they should. Um, so he was someone I'm just like, eh, eh. and the fact that you know he was an, a healthy scratch twice this year, and then he hurt his you know hurt his ankle, and now he's not playing. I, we're we're about four weeks away from people really second guessing that pick, um, and I think that's going to be a big miss for them if it is a miss because it's still mm-hmm. early. He could obviously yeah. turn around and, and you know be a really good corner, but if he if they missed on that pick and it's looking like they kind of did, that's going to be a really big miss because right now you're starting Christian Benford out there and I think he's a good corner. I like him. Um, you have Taron Johnson in the slot and then you're playing Dane Jackson. You know. Those three guys played every single snap for Buffalo yesterday. That's not going to work against Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And I know Baker Mayfield's throwing him in the football, but those guys will absolutely destroy, you know, destroy that that Buffalo secondary. And I, I, my two favorite safeties in the league both play in Detroit. Both, I'm sorry, uh, both play in Buffalo and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poirier. Um, but both look like a half step slow all year. They also threw the blitz out with Hyde a lot yesterday. Yeah. It only worked. Yeah. It only worked a couple of times yesterday as well. So that's the thing. Like if Tampa's like O line can have a game and have their way with them, it's like, hey, because if they if they lose and are at four and four, I mean, we'll be enjoying it with our popcorn from the sidelines. But that fan base is going to be in flames. Come They're Thursday already night. in flames. People, I maybe I'm just not as in tune with that fan base as I as I am with some others, but. I was completely shocked that this morning a very common sentiment was Sean McDermott needs to go. And I'm like, wait, what? What? Like that that just boggles my mind. And maybe it's just because I'm not a fan of their team. And so like I'm not in the trenches watching it every day, every, you know, following along like I do with the Patriots. It's just that that shocked me. I cannot believe they want him gone. I I was always on the fence of that just because of playoff success wasn't there because, like, you know, last year they were annoyed at, hey, you're going to be the Super Bowl. You're doing this. You're doing that. The Bills podcasters that I have come on here are very real when it comes to the team where they know, like, hey, like I like last week's show, you can go back and listen to it. Um, we talked about the whole dynamic of that. I think, if anything, look, it's Ken Dorsey that's on the hot seat. It's not yeah. Sean McDermott. Him and Bean, I think, are safe because Bills fans kind of, like – Basically, how I was told about it is that the upper the upper management, ownership, board of, board of directors, all that stuff, 
they stay there. They stay away. They let the football guys do the football guy things. How they sh- how it should be. That's how yeah. it should be. Tell it to David Tepper. Um, <laughs> which I, it, but that's just the thing with it. Where it's like you know, I'll 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 get more into that in a second. But with them, it's just like hey. So that's where I feel like McDermott is safe. But then it's next year to where it, I feel like it's going to be that hey, next year you got to do something because McDermott's been there since 2017. I'm going to wait to see what your jaw is on the floor about because I'm, I'm behind. Uh, let's watch this in real time. Let's just take a bit of a breather. Let's let's just wait. Oh, sweet Jesus. Jordan Addison. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. I know people like to say Zay Flowers, but like, man, he may have. Been Holy the- shit. <laughs> wow. Going to the. the- the fact that they went to the Niner fans that were just in awe over like Viking fans, like, oh my god, wow! Like, I feel like that was I, insane. The Vikings right now are having a Patriot game from yesterday, where it's you know you're beating an a, you're beating a better opponent. Ooh, yeah, yeah, and it's just like right through the oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Jordan Addison, God. Oh, and they missed the kick. Yep. That's that's the most Viking thing ever. Like, have this unreal touchdown catch and then just miss the kick. Um, The only other point I will make about – actually, I'll go to my David Tepper point. He wants to be Robert Kraft so bad where it's like, hey, businessman, come in, build a franchise NFL team. But it's realizing, hey – you can't run an NFL team like you run a yep. business or a hedge fund. Because you don't, you don't know anything about running an NFL team. No, you don't. Yep. And then with the Bills, because I looked at their schedule, they do not play a one o'clock game again until Week Seventeen when we go to ta- we go there. Oh, really? Yeah. So they have... Are they just in prime time and in four o'clock the entire way? Do you want to know what prime time game they have in a few weeks? Sure. Monday Night Football against Denver. Oh, ew! What? Yeah. Holy cow. All right. <laughs> yeah. I, so I have it up here. So they basically play next week. They have the Bengals on Sunday night football, which how many times are they going to mention Hamlin, which him on the ambulance was weird. That was, <laughs> yeah. Putting, yeah, that was, um, uh, that was, that was just a, a, a strange decision and it makes it, it almost makes a mockery of it all. Like that, that I don't like that. Don't like that. Then they have the Jets in a 425 spot. Then they have the Eagles in a 425 spot, which I learned this last night. The Eagles-Bills game, the Eagles are going to be in their Kelly Green uniforms once again, which Eagles, change those full-time. Yes. Um, then they play, they have a late bye week, but then they have the Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins to finish their year. Dang. They so could be in trouble. That's why I'm saying if this a game like this Sunday is – I just – Man, man, just oh my god! But that's why a game like this Thursday for them is almost a must-win to the point where it's. I feel like not so much will the fan base be in flames, but if they were to lose Thursday or pull one out, it's going to be a lot of second guessing. But you're going to start to get the national media attention of what's wrong with the Buffalo Bills? Yep. What what's going on here? Your wins were the Raiders, the Commanders. The Dolphins and the Giants. Besides that, it's kind of like, hey, you're doing this. To where yesterday's game for them was a lot like the Jacksonville game, where it's you waited until too long to get it going. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yep. Basically, the one thing I've learned with them too is quickly, 
they have to let Josh be Josh. They're trying to make Josh something he's not. He's not running at all. And I, I know that's a that's been a point of emphasis because they want to keep him safe. It feels like an overcorrection, though. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that thing where it's kind of like, hey, we're going to be safe with you. It's kind of like the, the it's like the bubble boy philosophy mm-hmm. where it's yeah. like, you know, yeah. hey, oh, no, you can't go outside. You'll die. You'll do this. But in reality, hey, if you go outside, you'll have a great time. So that's the thing with Josh Allen where you have to find that like hybrid to where it's like, let him be him, but at the same time to keep him safe in the pocket. Because we know mm-hmm. if you let him do both, he is capable of, like, to the point now where people are calling him an MVP caliber quarterback, which he still yeah. is. Yeah, so I, we'll, agree. we'll ultimately wait and see, but I, that's just my take on it. I'm going to say this, though. I do think, look, there's part of me that would love to see them lose to Tampa Bay, but I just, in my heart of hearts, I feel like it's prime time. It's Buffalo. They're going to win. It's gonna They're be going to win. Yeah. Yeah, if they because, lose, though, it's going to be a party on Twitter. <laughs> oh, it's either going to be like the most unbearable place on Bill's Twitter, which with fan bases nowadays, I like just to call it by Twitter because that's how you see it. It's like, oh, Bill's Twitter, Patriots Twitter, Jets Twitter, with Dolphins Twitter, which was insufferable yesterday. But um, if the Bill, so if the Bills lose, they're going to be miserable. But if they win, it's going to be, I feel like if they win, it's not even going to be cocky to the point of, Hey, we're back. I feel like it's just going to be, hey, this is a step in the right direction because that's how I feel like Thursday night can be for them. And on a short I am week. all for that. I just don't. Yeah. My and I've said this a million times. My biggest issue with Buffalo is the honking. The the oh yeah, we're great, we're awesome. And I'm like, relax. Like you're fine. Like relax. Um, but if they, you know, if they win, when they win, um, if they come out and they're kind of just like, all right, we're we're, we're steadying the ship. That'll be great. If they come out and they're like, oh yeah, running the tables, just watch. I'm gonna be like, all right, like enough. It's kind of like the whole I'll do my best Bill Bill's impression. It's like, oh yeah, running the tables, climbing through tables, jumping through tables, circling <laughs> the damn wagons, we're back. No. <laughs> if they beat if they beat if, so if they run through their next three games before that jet game. Here's the other thing too, to put a little thorn in their side. The New England Patriots are two and one in divisional play. You guys are yeah. one and two. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah it's stuff like that to where if they lose that jet game in a few in a, in a month that's one in three in divisional play yeah and you can't i mean and you know what they say like you know the first step to getting into the playoffs win your division i tell mm-hmm. you just like if you want to be a great team win your division great teams win their division go win your division but right now you're one and two in division play you have a win over miami so that's that's great but how many more of those can you take? You know, how many more else can you take in, in division play? That's exactly it. Probably I, one. Oh, yeah. You can only afford to lose one more, which I still look at that week 18 game to be a potential Sunday night football game for the division just because we don't know what Miami is going to be. Yeah. But you know what? All I know for now is, is the Patriots got a win yesterday, and this feels different than the Jet win because the Jet win was like, look, they almost lost that. But yesterday was like – a two-minute drill by Mac. Uh, that game-winning touchdown. Yeah. You know what yesterday was? I'm going to give the ultimate metaphor. It was a monkey thrown off the back game. Oh win. yeah, that felt awesome. Ah, I'm ending on that note, guys. I'm ending on that note. Why? Because that everything about yesterday was just awesome. To where when Kendrick Bourne fumbled, I was in shambles. Let me tell you, I was just <laughs> that like was, that was tough. I was like, I, I, yeah, I was done. I was just like, oh, God, we're going to lose this game. This is going to suck. And then it wasn't until they got first and goal, second and goal, where I'm like, 
holy crap, they're going to do it. I was just like kind of be, still being pessimistic. But then it was like this just weight off my chest when Gesicki caught the damn ball. Yeah. You know, my uh, I thought they would win right after the, the third and eight. Uh, 14 yard throw to hunter henry once he caught that i was like oh this is it <laughs> they're gonna win this game <laughs> that was a big boy throw yeah it was that max was the best big... throw of the game um probably this season maybe this no i i think the i still think my favorite throw of his in the career i loved the throw to nelson Aguilar in the charge game that we mentioned mm-hmm. i thought that was really good obviously the kendrick Bourne one against, the the Pittsburgh against Aguilar. Yes, the one right over Kella Witherspoon. That was a lot of that was a lot of fun. And then a throw that doesn't get talked about enough when we talk about good Mac throws is the um, the throw to Hunter Henry against the um, against the Texans, where it just like it arced up and then just fell straight down. And I was like, "What was that throw? <laughs> like that was insane." That game pissed me off so much because we almost got sunned by Davis Mills the third. Yeah, and they found a way to win. Yeah, look, that was Max' other only other uh, fourth quarter comeback. But you know what? He got to come back against the Buffalo Bills. Oh yeah. But you know what? Because I'm such a nice guy, and because I haven't stopped watching it again, we're gonna end on this note for episode 257 of YWC Football Talk. We're gonna end the with the throw. Oh yeah. Of all people, second and goal. Oh yeah. Jones swings it. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.